Hour number two of the Frank Sontag Show. Thank you for joining us. We begin each hour with our impact segment. 20-plus minutes of uninterrupted dialogue and discussion. I have an in-studio guest who, right before we went on the air, he said, how long do we have? And I said, the whole hour. And he said, oh, my goodness gracious, let's talk about the Lord. Pastor Steve Wilburn from Core Church, Los Angeles. Steve, it's good to see you. Frank, it's always good to see you. It's like, you know, I last time we hooked up was at the Harvest Crusade. We were hanging out there. That's right. I was trying to get you to eat some food, and you weren't. <laughs> I was, um, I was had my game face on. You did. You were all game face that night. I was looking for you for the post-game meal, and it was too late by then. Yeah, exactly. Although, you know, if we would have hooked up afterwards, it's just like, you know, the quite a few people, we kind of missed each other, but we could have stopped at that in and out on the way back and, and got a you know i got the ultimate burger now it's the three by three okay because the double double's not quite enough okay so the three by three puts it over the edge animal style chopped chilies with whole grill see that's all the hidden menu right there you know <laughs> the new thing is whole grill where they take the whole onions and grill them but anyway that's a whole nother subject but who would have thought a minute in we'd be talking about in and out well i don't know but it's a glorious thing i'll just say that <laughs> <laughs> now we have you in studio for the hour for many reasons and i want to start right at the beginning with something very exciting that's happening this weekend yes at core church los angeles and we have something to play for the listeners yes and Katie's going to get it. She was just thinking about in and out as well. I know that's what she was hey, talking about. It was about. All, on, all my fault, Katie. We, we totally confuse you. <laughs> Hi, I'm Pastor Steve Wilber from Court Church, Los Angeles, and I want to invite you to an amazing day of music and ministry. This Sunday, September 9th, we have the Dove Award winning five man band, The Katinas. It this Sunday, the Katina's at Core Church. At all three Sunday morning services, 8.30, 10.30, and 12.30, along with a special evangelistic service at 6.30 p.m. So make sure you bring an unsafe friend. That's the Katina's Live for free. See you there. Check us out at CoreChurchLA.org. That's CoreChurchLA.org. And may God richly bless you. So we want to talk about the Katinas, but I have a story for you before we talk oh, about that. Oh, go, man, you're up. So a few years ago, Pastor Greg asked me to do a remote at Harvest Orange County when it first opened. And I'm, I'm just going to be honest here. I was asked, hey, there's a couple of guys here that have a new movie. Would you interview them? And I'm like, who are they? Well, they've got a movie called War Room, and I, I didn't know anything. Right. I didn't know Stephen or Alex Kendrick. Right. They walked in, and there was a buzz. So I'm thinking, okay, they, they must be somebody. Bring them on over here. Yeah. Later in the hour, I had heard the Katinas were going to be there. And again, what a buffoon I am. I, I don't know who they are. <laughs> and I, I sit down with them. Not only did they all speak so powerfully about the Lord? They just impromptu went into some acapella, and I'm like, these guys are incredible. Uh, they, they are so crazy good. I've known them for some 
geez, I think about 23 years we've been pretty good friends, you know. So, uh, you know, I used to book all the music at Harvest when I was uh, an associate pastor at Harvest. And then, you know, when I left uh, there eight years ago, uh, previous to that, I was teaching the main Sunday night service, and we would bring in bands every Sunday night. So we had 2,500, 3,000 people coming out to what we used to call Day 7. It was a Sunday night service at uh, harvest and Greg was so supportive of it and you know he's the one that actually started the day seven service and then you know after a, a while a season you know he says hey I'm going to turn it over to you and I was just like the the fill-in guy you know and so uh, and then I started teaching it from that point on but I taught it for like almost nine years a Sunday night service and a lot of people don't know that harvest was really started on the Sunday night service that's what Greg started they started morning services for uh, old people I guess you know and uh, but we started going the harvest back in 1979 so we have a lot of history there and that's where i grew up spiritually and i i just thank pastor greg for everything that he's put into my life but uh but in the midst of that i got to know a lot of bands you know i i mean before jeremy camp was jeremy camp he used to go out with me and and do stuff you know i'd pay him you know 25 bucks in gas money <laughs> it's like and you know switchfoot when they first started rolling they started to come to sunday night you know skillet uh, cutlass you know all of these bands you know they all kind of came through there and and then the next step was, you know, they, you know, they kind of introduced, you know, to the whole congregation and then they'd start playing at the Harvest Crusades and what have you. Well, you know, the Katinas were in that whole mix and the Katinas went down. We did multiple crusades down in Australia, New Zealand, and uh, we took them down there, and, and they really went over well down there because, you know, they're from the island of Samoa, and and so they just fit in. I mean, they they love them, especially in New Zealand. Oh, my goodness, man. they just huge. So you can have, like, bigger names in Christian, you know, music and what have you, but I'll tell you, when it comes to live, just, you know, sitting there watching them live, they are an amazing band. <laughs> it's like, and so— uh, this is the second time we've actually had them out. We actually had them about two and a half years ago. We had them out, and and uh, yeah, I just got such a great relationship with them. They just called me on the phone. Hey, we're going to be in San Diego. Hey, so like, you know, want us to come? <laughs> it's like I'm like, let me think about it. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and you know, they're they're one of the bands that haven't given in to kind of where Christian music is gone. It's kind of a lot about money now and and it's a bummer you just can't get bands for any kind of a reasonable rate you know just and a lot of the reasons is i don't blame necessarily the christian band themselves there's a lot of booking agencies that have all been bought out by secular companies and so secular companies are, are there to make money and so it's us all about money so anyway but uh, they're one of the bands they do with their own booking and what have you and they're just like i go man i don't know if i can afford you guys and they're like hey pastor steve man we love you man we just did what you're doing in la so we'll just come <laughs> i'm like okay we'll just come yeah we'll give them something but <laughs> you know it's not what they deserve that's for sure but but we're just excited about doing uh, these concerts. So they're going to be at all three of our Sunday morning services, and that's 8.30, 10.30, and 12.30. And they're just going to do like a little teaser. So it's like the, the little teaser of Katina, uh, Katina. So they'll just do a couple songs, but they're going to do a full-blown concert Sunday night at 6.30. And so uh, it'd just be great for people to really take advantage of this opportunity, Frank, because I think we we really forget about what our real role is here uh, in this planet. I mean, you know, the rapture hasn't happened. We haven't been joined with the Lord on the other side. And we're, we're called to witness. We're called to share the faith. We're called to let our light so shine. And by the way, Frank, 
Whose light is it? It's not our light. No doubt. It's Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, and he lives inside of us. And he says, so let that light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And and so we really want to get to that place where we're, we have people that are bringing people to church. I wonder, Frank, how many—like, when's the last time you invited someone to church? Maybe in the last hour on the radio program? <laughs> But uh, I just, I'm always inviting people to church everywhere I go. The bank, I was talking about it this morning. I was playing uh, basketball at the gym. I go to LA Fitness a couple times a week and play ball. And I mean, I'm inviting everybody that's walking, breathing, you know, to church. And uh, because of that, multiple people from the gym have come to our church. Multiple people have given their life to Christ. I've led people to Christ on the hardwood. Uh, you know, at, when I go to the bank, when I go to the, you know, uh, gas station, where, wherever I go. And I always just open the conversation up. I say, hey, uh, excuse me. So, like, when's the last time someone told you that there's a God in heaven that loves you? And then I'll just look at them. And, and they're like, wow, well, I don't think anyone's ever told me that. And I said, well, I'm telling you right now. And that's why Jesus came. He died for people like you and me so that we could have our sin forgiven and go to heaven. And, and it's like, you know, after being a church here, we just celebrated our eighth anniversary of all things. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that crazy? Where'd that time go? I know. Frank, it seems like I've been here for like four years, and it's been eight years. And God has done so much. We bought this building, and God, we're just right on the intersection of the 10 freeway in La Cienega. I mean, we're just right in the thick of it. And after all these years, our congregation now has just, I guess, heard me talk about it so much that they're just— they're inviting people. Like every Sunday, I stand in the foyer. And by the way, can I say something? Shame on all the pastors of Southern California that don't stand in the foyer and greet people as they come in and out, which many do. But the ones that don't, hey, shame on you. And this is why. You get all these great stories. Oh, my goodness. I mean, every service, after the service, I'm standing there and people are coming up to me. Oh, pastor, this is my friend. I, I'm bringing them. You know, so I'm getting the people going out from one service. I'm getting the other people coming in. And those are, oh, I'm bringing my friend. You know, and they know that I'm going to preach the gospel after every message. So it doesn't matter what we're talking about. It doesn't matter if we're talking about family issues, you know, raising your children, you know, whatever the text may bring out. Since we do expository Bible teaching, we go book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. But no matter what we're talking about, I'm going to twist it at the end. And I'm going to share the gospel. And do you know that last Sunday, Frank, I mean, here we are in the book of Revelation. And, you know, we had an altar call. I mean, just, you know, two huge altar calls, you know, out of our three services. In the first service, about six hands went up, you know, and wow. I just led them to Christ right there in their seat. But what great opportunity. It's what church should be about, where people can come and find hope and find, you know, like how many people are messed up in this world today? Boy. In the church and out of the church. Everywhere. Pastor Steve Wilburn is my guest. This weekend, 8.30, 10.30, and 12.30, the Katinas will be there. Pastor Steve will be bringing the word. And then a very special concert in and of itself at yep. 6.30 p.m. CoreChurchLA.org is the website to get more information. Here's, you know, you know oh, I'm sorry, Frank, but you know, I, I was thinking on the way over here, 
as I was, you know, driving over here, I was thinking of, in, in Psalm 107, and I, I've never really noticed this before, and, and, you know, maybe everyone knows this, but I've probably read Psalm 107 multiple times, and but it never dawned on me. Uh, but in, in verse 6, it says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. I mean, think about how cool that verse is. It's like they cried out. Who's they? The people. You know, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and the Lord delivered them out of their distresses. But then, you know, it's like you get to verse 9. He repeats that verse again. You know, then you you, you get to verse, uh, you know, 13. He repeats it again. Then you get to verse 28. He repeats again. Not, not verse 13, but verse 19. So it's, you know, it's verse 6. It's verse it's verse uh, 13, I guess, you know. And then he goes on uh, in verse 19 and then verse 28. But he says it four times in this psalm. And, you know, this is why it's so important for us believers to be reaching out to the lost that are around us. There's so many things that are happening in our world. There's so much division in our country right now. It's like we got this civil war going on between this the right and the left. And the ideologies are so far apart. It's not like we're a little different thinking. I mean, it's radical different thinking. But it's left people so empty. And you see all the things happening in the world and the threats from Iran and you know, what's going to happen with North Korea? You know, it's like it's kind of good now. It was kind of not so good a few weeks ago. Then it was better a few weeks before that. And then it was horrible right before that. I mean, there's so many things that could just be turned upside down. And there's just so much emptiness in the world today. There's so many people that just have an emptiness in their heart. And it's like that's what these things are about. That's what church is about. People should have—this should be a, a safe haven for people to go to, a place to find hope for the hopeless, a place to, to find healing for those that are broken. Frank, Frank, how many broken people do you think there are around us? Everybody. Everybody. We're all broken. Yeah, exactly. Only some of us know— who the healer is, and some of us don't, and some of us don't want to know who the healer is. Yeah, and I agree with that. Some don't want to know, but there's many people that are looking for hope wherever right. they can find it. And this is why I would just like to challenge your listeners here today. It's like, do you know someone who doesn't know Christ? Well, of course you do. You work with them. I mean, they're at the grocery store. You know, we build all these little relationships with people. And we don't think that we have uh, any way of reaching those people. But, you know, you build relationships with people. You can leverage that relationship. Meaning, you know, you have the little, you know, cool thing going on with the guy at work or the gal at work and this and that and whatever. And, you know, maybe when you go to the grocery store, you go to Ralph's or, you know, whatever, Vaughn's, and you kind of always go through that same aisle and you, you kind of build that little relationship with that person and the bank, the same thing. Everywhere you go, you shop, whatever, you kind of build these little relationships. But even when you don't know someone like, I just this, this gnarly thing just the last couple days. You? <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. Me do something <laughs> gnarly. I jump on a red on a red eye on Sunday. So I do three morning services, jump on a red eye Sunday night, fly to Washington, D.C. I, I used to live there for eight and a half years, fly to Washington, D.C. With, with a couple of my pastors just to do a little getaway thing. I challenge you guys, hey, you want to see Washington, D.C.? Buy your own plane ticket. Let's go. And we all buy our own plane ticket. And so we went back there. But one of the coolest things that was back there, they have this new Bible museum back yeah. there. Have you heard of that? Oh, sure. Have you gone to it? I have not. I never even heard of it. You 
Museum of the Bible. It's been open about a year now. Oh, geez. Well, I'm completely out of it. So Terry here, you know, the, uh, you know, the manager here at the station, it's like he was telling me once he heard, he goes, oh, you got to go to the Bible Museum. It's amazing. I'm like, what? 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 Whoever. I go through the thing. Guess what? It was amazing. It was, I mean, it was interactive. You know, sometimes when, you know, I hate to say this, but hey, look, I'm a Christian, so I'm just going to, you know, just say it. I'm going to put it out there. A lot of times when, when Christians do things, it's a little Mickey Mouse. It's not done like to the best. and, and or, or with full conviction. Or with full conviction. That's a nice way of putting it. You know, it's just done a little kind of cheesy, you know, to, to say the least. But uh, I'll tell you, this museum, I guess Hobby Lobby was behind it. They yeah. put some 500 million bucks into this thing. And let me tell you, you're walking up to it from the street. It looks killer. I was talking to the manager there. I guess he used to build refrigerators there, you know, eons ago. And then it turned into a creative, you know, just re- a retail space. And then they bought it and they gutted this thing out completely down to four walls. And, I mean, you walk in, it is state-of-the-art. You go inside these brand-new elevators, there's all these three LED screens on each wall of the elevator. And it's just, it's already prepping you. You go up to this thing, it walks you through the Hebrew Bible, total interactive with all this video stuff and all this. I mean, the burning bush is going, I mean, I, you can't even, exp- trying to explain it is just cheapening it. And I, I was so impressed with it. And, you know, when you walk in, you know, they, they ask you, you know, they say it's like, you know, 20 bucks a person. You know, they say suggested donation to see it, 20 bucks a person. Then in little fine print it says, or whatever you want to give. So we walk in, and I'm just being a total cheapskate. I'm like, well, there's four of us. Here's 20 bucks. You know, that's five bucks a head, you know. Wow. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like full just, you know, cheaping it. And then after we went through it, on the way back, I went up and I said, how do I make a donation? I had to make a big donation to him because – I was so impressed with it. But uh, but anyway, so we're back in D.C. and we're just running through all these museums and everything. We go to this place. It's Tex-Mex food. is you know, Rio Grande. And I mean, we were scarfing food like there was no tomorrow. So we ordered this queso. This queso's got bacon and steak in it. I mean, we were woofing this stuff down. Well, when the girl brought it over to the table, we were praying for our food. And she was like, oh, I'm sorry. And then you know, I opened my eyes, you know, and, and she's like, oh, and she was like, like, really like, oh, I'm so sorry for offending you. I'm like, hey, you didn't offend us. We're just praying for the food here. No problem. You can set, the, set it down. And then we finished praying. And, you know, she was like all apologetic and everything. I'm like, oh, you know, it's not that big of a deal, you know. So the last card I had, because I was inviting people all over uh, DC, and I ran out of my, you know, core cards because it's so cool to have a killer app because on your app you get hundreds of video messages and everything. You know, it's just a free app that a, you know you can just go download it at the app store, you know, for your phone or your tablet. Anyway, so whenever I'm out traveling, it's like I don't know what churches are there, but hey, I know you can go to this app and you can get some messages that are teaching the Word of God. So I went to this gal and I just said to her as we were leaving, I said, Hey, so when's the last time someone told you there's a God in heaven that loves you? And she just looked at me. She says, never. I go, really? I go, I want you to know this. I want you to know how much Jesus loves you, how much he cares about you, how much he wants a relationship with you. And she goes, oh, I, I just, that, I, I'm so thankful you're sharing this with me. So I hand her the core, core church card. I go, look, go to the app store. Just put in Core Church Los Angeles. Download our app. It's free. It doesn't cost anything. And go to recent messages, and it'll just be hundreds of titles with video messages. I go, I know God is going to minister to you. She goes, thank you so much. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it right now. (laughs) And I just thought, like, wow, you know, no matter where you go in the world, people are broken. 
And who knows what's going on in that girl's life? She was probably only like 23, 25 years old. But, you know, who knows what brokenness is in her? But God knew, and that's why we ate at that restaurant. And, you know, not only was it a blessing for her, but it was a blessing for us because that queso was awesome. (laughs) Oh, boy. Pastor Steve Wilburn is my guest. Again, this weekend, three services, 830, 1030, and 1230, corechurchla.com, and the Katinas will be there giving you a little appetizer in the morning, and then at 6.30, a full concert. We're going to break. When we come back, I want to talk more about evangelism with you. And here's the question I want to start with when we come back. Do we as the body of Christ truly live like we know Scripture is true? We're going to talk about that and God's Word and much more with Pastor Steve Wilburn, Core Church LA, next on The Frank Sontag Show. Welcome back to the Frank Sontag Show. My guest for the hour is Pastor Steve Wilburn from Core Church Los Angeles. We hear Pastor Steve every evening here on KKLA with Core Truth. What time are you on now? 6.30 now. 6.30. And you mentioned in the previous segment you are preaching now from the book of Revelation. Yes, we are doing a verse-by-verse study through the book of Revelation. We've actually, uh, we got about 20, 20 studies done now, and we've just, or we're going to break into chapter 11 uh, this coming Sunday. So we're really taking our time. We're doing a verse-by-verse study because, you know, it's like, hey, how do you eat a cow? You know, like one double-double at a time, you know? <laughs> it's like, so it's one bite because, you know, people are a little freaked out about, you know, the book of Revelation. And granted, yep. there's a little bit of crazy language that's used in there and four-headed beasts and, you know, this and, you know, all these different kinds of things. And and so, uh, but the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. And a lot of the things that are described in Revelation are explained in Isaiah, the book of Daniel. And, and so you're kind of putting all of these pieces together, the book of Zechariah. It's kind of like, remember when you were a kid and you had those little dot-to-dot games and, sure. you know, you'd start one, two, three, and you start going, oh, Oh, well, it's a dinosaur, you know, and uh, but you don't know what it is at first. And so it's the same thing with the book of Revelation. You have to kind of go back and you have to look, you know, look through some other uh, Old Testament scriptures that that prophesy and, and give uh, different meanings and, and things like that. But, you know, we understand those things and 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 they're easily to understand when you connect all the dots. And so what we're trying to do is connect all the dots so that it's not scary. But let's not forget in, you know, chapter 1, verse 3 of the book of Revelation, it says, Blessed are those, you know, who read and those who hear the words of this prophecy and heed the things which are written in this book. And so, uh, we, you know, we it's like what other Bible book out of the 66 books in the Bible tells you there's a blessing for you reading this? Now, we know that anyone who reads the Scripture is going to be blessed. You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So we know that it's a blessing to read any of the Scripture, but this book in particular actually tells us there is a blessing to those who, who read, who hear, and who heed. And so it's important to go through that. So going through the book of Revelation on Sunday morning, 
Look, we've had some pretty crazy studies because there's some crazy stuff that's going to happen. Like, like last week, we were looking at the abyss opening up. And, the, and when the abyss opens up, these crazy creatures that come out that have the face of a man, the teeth of a lion, a hair of a woman, and they have tails of scorpions. And they're going to they're gonna sting people in their poison. It won't kill people because God says death is taken away. So people will lay and suffer. They won't be able to move. They'll just lay there and suffer because death is taken away. And you think, well, what is that symbolic of? It's symbolic of nothing. Literally, the bottomless pit is going to open. These creatures that look exactly like what it says, faces of men, teeth of a lion, hair of a woman, tails of scorpions are going to come out and they're going to sting people. And these are the people who have rejected Christ. These people who have embraced the Antichrist and taken the mark of the beast on their right hand or their forehead. And and not only just embracing the the, Antichrist, Antichrist, but really embracing his world order and accepting him. And so that's why the Bible says, if you take the mark of the beast on your body, you are banished from heaven. There is no repentance for you. You are beyond repentance. You have a reprobate mind and heart. So there's radical things. And so I'll say, while I'm teaching these things, I'll say, well, you know, why would God put this crazy stuff in there? Why would he tell us this gnarly things like, you know, a third of the oceans are going to turn to blood, a third of the, you know, fresh water is going to turn to blood, you know, all of these things are going to be death, you know, there's going to be hellfire brimstone coming out of the sky, landing on people, you know, it's like, because he loves us. God loves us so much. He's warning us of what's going to happen. There is a judgment, Frank, that's going to happen. It's like people, every single person is going to stand before God. It, you know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews uh, 9.27, it says, it's appointed for each man to die once and each woman to die once. And after this comes judgment. And it, I will say it's an amazing statistic. One out of every one person dies. It's like everyone dies. You know, Burt Reynolds just died, what, yesterday. And, uh, you know, who would have thought, you know, Smokey and the Bandit, you know, he had all those glorious years and movies and all of that. And, well, guess what? He's dead. You know, Princess died, just had the anniversary of her death. You know, she died. I mean, everyone's going to die. It's either going to be like Burt Reynolds uh, dying of old age in his 80s from a heart attack or like Princess die in, a, a, in an accident, in a car accident where you didn't plan on it happening. But the fact is everyone's going to die. So when you look around at everyone that we know, like every person that you have, you know, some kind of relation with, whether it's a, a, a co-worker or it's a next door neighbor, across the street neighbor, someone you wave to, someone you have that little bit of relationship with, the people at the stores where you shop and what have you. It's like all of these people, you have to ask yourself, are these people, are they going to be left behind? Jesus Christ is going to come back. It's called the rapture. And the Bible tells us it's going to happen like a thief in the night. You don't know when the thief's going to come. I remember, you know, I had a, a fully dressed out Road King Harley Davidson, and I was getting ready to go uh, to Australia with Pastor Greg doing a harvest crusade. And, and I had to do a few things in the morning. We were going to catch the plane that night. And I remember I reached for my door that went into the garage, and I was getting ready to open it. And this still small voice in my head says, where's your Harley? I'm thinking like, what kind of, where's this voice coming from? I opened the door into my garage, no Harley. And I'm thinking, did my wife pull it out of the garage? I mean, these things weigh like 850 pounds. I mean, like, where's my bike? And I, I walk over, it's just an empty spot in the garage. And I go outside, they had broke the lock off, they had oh cut the Lord. lock off and stole my Harley Davidson right out of the garage. So, 
you know, when the Bible says Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night, well, guess what? I was sleeping in the house that night, and the thief came while I was sleeping. And it's like, I missed him. He stole the, my Harley. Adam, I go, you stole my Harley. Like, how low is that? <laughs> it's like, but, but it's like Jesus is going to come back when people don't expect it. And it's like everything is set. I mean, who would have thought that when Jesus said in 33 AD, when he was standing on the Mount of Olives, as he was standing there in the Passion Week, and the disciples said to him, oh, look at, you know, look at the temple. It's so beautiful because it was like three stories high. It was a pretty, you know, it was one of the probably wonders of the world at the time. And, and it's like, oh, look at the temple. It's so beautiful. And Jesus says, not one stone will be left upon another. And at 70 AD, just 37 years later, Rome came in, completely sacked, uh, you know, uh, Jerusalem. And uh, the actual, the, it was the priests that set the, the temple on fire because they didn't want it to be desecrated by the Romans. So they set it on fire. And when they did, all the beams were covered in gold. All the gold melted down within the cracks of the foundation. So the Romans completely disassembled the, the temple and completely destroyed it, just like what he said 37 years later. Then, who would have thought in the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24, it says, listen, you know, when we see the rebutting of the fig tree, when you go into the book of Amos, you go into the book of Jeremiah, the fig tree is always a reference to Jerusalem, I mean, to Israel. And he says, when you see the rebutting of the fig tree, know that the time is soon. And it's like, well, the rebutting of the fig tree, what, the rebirth of the fig tree? Yes. How about 1878 years later from the temple being destroyed, the, the people of God being being dispersed through the whole world, who would have thought 1,878 years later they would be reborn as a nation, as Israel became a nation again, May 14, 1948. And then it goes on to say the generation of people will not, you know, that see that, will see the coming of the Son of Man. It's like, like, wow, this is crazy. So we're sitting here with so many things that are happening around us in the world today, so much disorder, so many things, and things that you would never expect. But as you're going through and you realize in the book of Revelation, it teaches like about a, a one-world monetary system, a one-world government. There hasn't been a one-world government since Rome dominated the world back in Jesus' time. And so there's going to be a one-world government. There's going to be a one-world money. There's going to be a cashless system. Society. I mean, even 20 years ago, this would have been hard to imagine. But we are so headed for a cashless society right now because of all the, you know, just, you know, the people stealing people's identity and credit cards and debit cards and, and everything. And so they're going to make this thing where you have to have a number on your hand or your forehead and you won't be able to do business. And the Bible tells us you can't buy or sell without that number. And the number, again, will be the number of the Antichrist. So when people take that number, you're buying into his world order because he's going to be the one world governing empire leader in the last day. So all of these things are happening right under our nose. We're seeing the unrest. You know, one of the prophecies that Daniel gave us, he said, in the last days, man's knowledge will increase. You know, Frank, you can go back like 150 years ago. I mean, just 150 years ago. I mean, when you think about the whole existence of humanity, 150 years ago is nothing. And nothing really changed from Adam and Eve to 150 years ago. 
But yet, in the last, you know, especially the last 50 years, oh my goodness, technology is changing. It's like, man, you you go buy a new iPhone, and it's like before you get out of the store, you know, they're already talking about the new one coming in. It's just like, I mean, technology is just changing radically so quickly, so fast. It's amazing. And to sit there and think, like, how could you have a one-world government? How could you have a, a number on your hand that that's the only way you could buy? Well, we're already getting there. They're talking about the new iPhone that's going to be released later this month. It's not going to have a button to go back home anymore. And it's going to be no more, you know, putting your ID code or anything like that. It's going to be either a face recognition, eye recognition, or, you know, some kind of a thumbprint. You know, it's like, and a lot of your computers are like that now. And so imagine every computer now will just be able to scan, you know, right at home. So you'll still be able to buy, be able to buy stuff from Amazon and what have you. But again, you know, it's like it, you'll just scan and you'll just buy stuff because it'll be able to go right off of you. No more debit cards. And just think like when they remember when they went to the chip in your credit card? Sure. You know, they just made all the retailers, you know, change their machines. So now they accept the chip thing. So now everyone, now it's standard procedure. But when the chip first came out, like no one really had. You were still sliding. But now everyone's got the chip thing now. It'll be the same thing there. They'll just be have scanners where they can scan the number off of your forehead or your hand. But, I mean, the point is you can see see the technology there now where even 10 20 years ago you're still kind of like yeah i don't know but god has told us all these things in advance why so that we would be ready why so that we can warn people around us the question is are we as believers do we believe the word of god do we believe that he's coming back because he is pastor steve welburn is my guest from core church los angeles when we continue in our final segment Pastor Steve, I want to ask you to talk about, well, two things. Those that are listening that may be half in and half out, we go to church, we check the box, but you just said, do we really believe Scripture is true? Address those, and also, obviously, the heart of evangelism. Address maybe the person listening right now going, I'm not sure I buy any of that. What do we say to them? We'll talk about that next with Pastor Steve Wilburn. CoreChurchLA.org is their website, and this is the Frank Sontag Show. This is the Frank Sontag Show. Welcome back. My guest for the hour, Pastor Steve Wilburn from Core Church Los Angeles. CoreChurchLA.org is their website this weekend. 8.30, 10.30, 12.30. Pastor Steve will be preaching the word. Three services. The Katinas will be there as well, giving you a little taste for their ministry. And then at 6.30, a full-on concert with the Katinas. All right, we've got about 10 minutes you just shared a lot about Revelation and the world changing and God and who He is. What I want you to do just for a few moments and then anywhere you're led is to just speak to those that say we're believers and yet we're not all in, we're not fully convicted, we're not fully submitted, we don't read the Word every day, we surely don't live like, yeah, this Word is true, Jesus is coming very soon, and yet I'm going to go on my phone when nobody's around and look at things I shouldn't look at. Yeah. Well, you know, really there's, I'd like to talk to two different groups. There's three, three groups of people I think that everyone falls into. There's the complete non-believer. Hey, I don't believe it. Then there's the 
man, you know, or the woman that you just explained, you know, they kind of got one foot in, one foot out. And then there's the fully committed believer. So let's talk to the first two. You know, the, the first one, I don't believe. Maybe, you know, you're listening right now and just like, I, I don't believe. Well, listen, there's not really a lot of, you know, different options out there. It really comes down to two things. Either you're going to believe that everything created itself. We all, you know, just everything that you see created itself. Somehow, as NASA puts it, 13.7 billion years ago, there was an explosion. And from that explosion, everything evolved from that. So everything happened. There was no divine intelligence behind it. There was no divine creator. There wasn't any kind of designer behind everything. It's just all random and through multiple, you know, fashions and acts of, you know, this whole evolutionary process you know we turned into monkeys eventually the monkeys turned into Cro-Magnon man and the Cro-Magnon man turned into Neanderthal man all of these things and bing walla bang here we are the intelligent creatures that we are today we've evolved into these uh, you know, super intelligent people that are making computers and going to the moon okay fine so that's the one option the other option is no we were created in the image of God, that there's a designer behind this creation. So when you see the earth that's 25,000 miles in circumference, and it's traveling in an orbit that's 520 million miles around the sun, and we're traveling at 1,000 miles per second, and we travel the same path every single year at 1,000 miles per second, never missing a beat, and it's 365.24 days in a year to get through a year from one season to the next, all of these things, and it just, it's it's like, I believe that God created that, that there's a designer behind it. You know, I'm sitting here drinking a, a, a bottle of, of a bottled water here, and it's a plastic bottle. There was a designer behind this. There's a label on it. There was a designer that designed the label. There, you know, are we, you and me, not a little bit more you know, complicated than a bottle of water? How long would it take if we put a bunch of plastic pellets in some random field here in the LA County or whatever? How many millions of years would it take for those pellets to somehow evolve into a plastic bottle? You say, that's ridiculous. Absolutely, it's ridiculous. Just like it's ridiculous to think that these bodies that we have that have separate tongue prints, that are that have separate fingernail prints or fingerprints from all other 7 billion people on planet Earth and a DNA strand inside that's different than 7 billion people on planet Earth. It's like it's the same thing. There is a designer of everything from the planets to the 100 billion galaxies to the 100 billion stars that's in each one of the galaxies, there is a designer just like there's a designer for a styrofoam cup, this microphone, the Bible that I read, a book, a newspaper, uh, uh, your iPhone. There's a designer behind everything. So if you don't believe that, guess what? One day you're going to find out that it's true. There is a God that makes your heart beat with no batteries. And look, look, I don't want to get into a, a tug of war with you. It's like, if you don't want to believe, you don't have to believe. God allows you your own free will. But I just want to appeal to you. You have a conscience. You have guilt in your life. You have shame in your life. Why? Because you're guilty and you've done shameful things. Why do you have that? What separates you from the animal kingdom? Why do you feel guilty when you do things that are wrong? Because there is a holy God that has put his word inside of you and he's given you a conscience. And that conscience is there to drive us to Christ. That conscience is there to make us realize that we need a savior. And this God, he came to the earth to live as a man. The creator came down to die for his own creation so that you and me could have a relationship with the living God. Now, 
to the next person, to the person who is, you know, like uh, I would say the uh, lukewarm Christian, you're not cold, you're not hot. Jesus said in Revelation 3, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth one day because you were neither hot nor cold. You said that, you know, we were fine, but you were not. You said we're clothed in fine garments, but yet you're naked, God said. He says, you've tried to walk through this life and have the best of both worlds. I want to, I want, you know, to go to church. I want to carry the book, sing the song so that, quote, I'm right with God. But then yet you have this whole other life that's going on. Do you think that God doesn't see that? He sees everything. The heart of man is despitefully wicked and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And God says, I understand it. I know the heart. I test the mind. He's seen everything. We can't pull the wool over his eyes. You know, the very verse that drove me to Christ was in Luke 12, 3. And it says this, everything you've said in the dark is going to be heard in the light one day. And everything you've whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed on the housetops of heaven. Think about that. Isn't it just a little horrifying to know that? Everything you do in secret will be shouted on the rooftops of heaven. Everything. God sees it all. Look, we've all sinned. And the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life. And God wants to do a great work in our lives. And for those that are listening right now, for those that don't know Christ, for those that have never come to know him as their savior, you're not born again. Maybe you have a religious background. Maybe you grew up with a stained glass window and a statue and this and that and whatever. Maybe you went to multiple boring church services like, man, Mm. just get me out of Mm. here. Just wake me up here. Like, why would anyone waste their life with this? Listen, Jesus doesn't want you to come to some dead religion. He wants you to come to him. It's all about relationship. I have a relationship with Frank Sontag here, and the reason I have that relationship is we spent time together. We've supped together. We've gone out and we've, you know, mowed some food down together. You know, we've talked. We've set aside. We've we've communicated. And, and through the years, we have built a relationship. That's what God wants with us. He wants a relationship. And, you know, the Bible says this. Because I believe that maybe just now, listening on the radio right now, we have some people that have never asked Christ in their heart as your Savior. I just want to ask you, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? I mean, if you were to die, that's it. It's over for you. And you're going to stand before God. Would your sin be forgiven? Do you know that you would have entrance to heaven? And what about maybe some prodigal sons and prodigal daughters? Man, you've been playing with all kinds of stuff. If you were honest, you'd say, hey, Pastor, man, I've been, I'm caught up in all kinds of sin. That's right. God knows. And I don't need to know your sin. It's not like you're confessing something to me. I don't need to know. God already knows, and you know. But for those of you that would like to give your life to Christ, and you're willing to say, God, I'm sorry for my sin, Jesus Christ will come in your heart right now. There's a great verse that's in Acts 3.19 that says, Repent, therefore, and return to the Lord, so your sin may be forgiven in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Let me just ask right now, is there anyone on the radio right now that you would love to have a time of refreshing in your soul? that your sin would just be cleansed, that you could start over, that right now would be a a time of new beginning for you. You could start fresh, and your sin would be cleansed, and you could be right before God. Well, if that's your desire, and you desire to get right with God, and you're willing to say, God, I'm sorry for my sin, then you pray this right now. Listen, if you're driving, don't close your eyes. It's okay. But pray this now, and mean it in your heart, and God will hear you. Pray this now, Lord Jesus. 
Forgive me of my sin. God, I'm so sorry for the things that I've done. I believe that you came. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose again from the dead. Come inside of me. Save my soul. Cleanse me again, Lord. Be my Lord. Be my God. Be my Savior and be my friend. And fill me overflowing with your Holy Spirit. For I ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Steve Wilburn, Core Church Los Angeles, this weekend, 830, 1030, and 1233 services, org. The Katinas will be there for the three services, give you a little taste, and then at 630, full-blown concert. Courtchurchla.org. You hear Core Truth every evening at 630 on this radio station. Pastor Steve, wow. Thank you for the hour. Thank you so much. And I want to encourage everyone, bring someone who doesn't know the Lord. Man, be used to the Lord. Be the vehicle, the conduit that brings a non-believer to this concert, and let's see what the Lord does. Amen. Thank you for listening to this, The Frank Sontag Show.